just got a letter. I don't remember the the last line of the song. Thank you for that intro, Kai. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing fine. Because we've got two letters from Christian! Jesus, Christine, Cheston, Weston, Chandler, how did you herself? (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready, baby. Let's go. I am ready. I'm ready. All right. So jail letter two. Uh, Can I start us off? As always. Uh, So this second letter is in response to a longtime orbiter and enabler, Kenneth Inglehart. Hey, Kenneth. October 4th, 2021. This is the body of your and my soul partner, Jesus Christine Weston Chandler Sonichu. (laughs) Speaking to you. What? No. Are you okay? Uh, I'm fucking dying already. No! Blessed behalf. I know everything. Though Christine knows more from her experiences since our extended separation since September 16th, 2021. She shall return for me for the apex of our second coming. Why is Christian a black preacher from the south that's for you to decide for for those remaining who do not yet know between christine and i combined and divided we are the real player one the one avatar i the body and the one god body. <laughs> she and i are literally the full reincarnation of none other than jesus christ of nazareth himself the conclusion of the dimensional merge is completion includes the completion of the collective shift for the majority that are good and those that are recoverable from Earth 1218 to Earth 1C211987 and the second coming of Christine and I together again as your fully awakened Lord Messiah, Savior, God, and judge over the minority who are the toxic, darkest sinners, haters, fakers, darkest demonics who shall be left on 1218 Earth. The darkest demonics. Who does he mean? Black people. We are now on Malachi 3 and 4 of the Old Testament in any Bible. Matt? Yeah. Just read the next paragraph. (sighs) Oh, no. The future of all Sonichus and Rosichus under still continued immortal care and guardian watch from I and our husband, Magi-chan Sonichu Prime of Universe 1C. Dash two one one nine eight seven and C one ninety seven before the recombination. Double close paragraphs shall remain the same for the future of all Pokemon: Sonic the Hedgehog, Super Mario, Ratchet and Clank, Neptune, Blanc, Noir, Ver- Mickey Mouse, Bugs Bunny, Homer Simpson, Peter Griffin, Eric Cartman, Tsuki no Osagi, Goku, Inuyasha and Kagome, Papa Smurf, Haruhi Suzumiya, Gumball Watterson, SNT, Lightning Bliss, Dr. Wolf, Princess Star Butterfly, and Marco Diaz, Optimus Prime, Autobot Sanchu, and Chris Chan, Tony Stark slash Iron Man, Bruce Wayne slash Batman, Diana slash Wonder Woman, President Lisa Simpson, Sunset Shiner, Princess Twilight Sparkle, Raven, John, Jenny Wigman slash XJ9, Danny Phantom, Fox McCloud, the Jedi, Captain Kirk, and so on. Into all present day existent original and fictional characters including the majority of all of you ocs of 1218 earth here 
and myself and Christine, we all continue on in greatest partially immortal stead, mutual chronicling, and alive, safe, and well forevermore. Isn't C-197 the dimension from Rick and Morty? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. He saw Rick and Morty and decided to use that as the dimension for Quickville. Yep. Which means they're in the same... Spot well, it's C-137, but you, you see where you get it from. Mm-hmm. Kai, would you like All to right, read the Kai. third paragraph? Sure. I'll go. So, yeah, Engelhart, I have just answered two of your questions, and to make it more clear, I am the God body. Christine is literally God herself. We are both Jesus Christ reincarnated. So, spiritual and religious philosophies had even further expanded. A day in this jail, as constantly written in the daily goddess log, Christine and I, we meditate deep connected with this earth the cosmos and universes and dimensions of this timeline as well as the entire multiverse energy conservation and continued workings well above anyone's head on this 1218 earth write daily logs with insight and wisdoms and then some i have a temporary soul partner a holy flame type you may remember her on her repentance tour, keeping me safe, well, not abused, and good alongside many good angels, spirits, and OP allies in and around this jail of fail. We presently have a genuine Turkish prayer rug and a deck of playing cards from the commissary, along with very much appreciated sports bra, socks with no holes, earplugs, and a few other goodies. Jacob? Food's mostly good and well. Not perfect meatballs. Banquet dinners have better meatballs, and the chicken is often dry. And at present, we are asking all peoples to send money to the Sonichute Temple at 14 Branchland Court in Rutgersville, Virginia to pay off the mortgage and remaining debts. Food for Barbara is also appreciated, and visitors who personally offer genuine kindness and good intentions are all encouraged to visit the temple. Is that his house? Yes. Okay. Prayers to and for Christine and I are appreciated and shall be answered. All prayers to Jesus have been going to Christine for nearly 40 years now. And I... Oh, wow. <laughs> and absolutely what? nothing is to be taken within the temple or its property yard oh, or defaced. No. All who does this shall be struck down by my allies, the gods, and heaven's armies. Blessings of great <laughs> measures, personally, for all who come to come visit and bring good positive tithes and offerings. Also, donations to my inmate account can be made through the Central Virginia Regional Jail's website. I would like and you to stop US for a moment, Sergio. I want to clarify, this isn't a bit he just did. This is still verbatim, word for word, what he's saying. Please continue. Only U.S. postal money orders, cashier's checks, or certified checks made out and addressed to Christine is accessible through postal mail. And while that is greatly appreciated as well, the needs of the Sonichu Temple and Barbara's safety, hers and mine, keep of the temple remains highest priority. 
And lastly, but importantly, contact the Virginia governors of Ruckersville and Charlottesville, Virginia, as well as President Joseph Robinette Biden, and get me Christine's body as well as Christine herself, oh, obviously, a full pardon to get me out of this jail and mess. What? What had happened Joe was literally Biden. a divine mission Joe commissioned Biden. to Christine and I by Emmanuel, God above gods herself to heal and cleanse Barbara's health and soul and being and clear her of remaining sins and regrets through coddling, talking, and supportive soul bonding to mainly extend her life personally by divine intervention. Is he asking people to fuck his mom? No, he's saying that's that's why he fucked his mom. Welp. Oh. Alright. Well. I had a nickel for every time Chris Chan admitted to a crime he committed. I'd have three nickels. Shall I read the uh, the next thing, even though it's not necessarily... Oh no, this is still it. <clears throat> As Christine had told the few others via mail and posted onto Kiwi Farms, all of you were being and are now being divinely tested with the divinely purposed leak of this information. Too many of you have epically failed by responding and giving in to the drama instead of ignoring this with greater considerations of the context and knowing better of Christine, the past situations, and leaving it as a lost rumor. Instead, Allah over 2,000 years ago in Israel on history repeat, alongside Allah? Judas and Lol. Christine was massively betrayed meditate on all that now or consult slash ask a genius highly enlightened psychic to see for yourselves consider this your interview kenneth go ahead please and share all of this in confirmation with what handwritten or original pages were already posted as well thank you Sincerely, body of Mrs. Jesus Christian Weston Chandler Sonichu, the goddess blue heart and Lord Messiah and Savior of all. Kai, would you like to? Wow, that was script? a. Her. P.S. Crossed out. Postscript. Have you ever sat on a prayer rug and, with a deck of playing cards, play solitaire? It is genuinely a humbling experience. I highly recommend it. And then there's an illustration of the Sonichu cross, which is <laughs> a cross with a heart on it and two lightning bolts on either side and, I guess, a open ring at the bottom. Yeah, I don't know what that's supposed so, to be. It's, it's maybe a sonic ring. I, I really know. hoped it was going to be Sonichu nailed to the cross. <laughs> Me too. <I> too. <laughs> wow, guys. Uh, sure was a crazy letter. It it sure is a shame that there isn't another one. Well, first, it first thoughts on the first letter, so that we can. Uh, so, so the 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 very first jail letter was the was the better one. Yes, I agree. This one is a is strong a continuation, cost. though. Yes, uh, more showing that Chris Chan is has completely. I don't know. Maybe he got introduced to crack in prison. Maybe this this is beyond belief though. I can't tell if he's getting better or so 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 much worse. 
I think it's pretty obvious that he's not getting better. Also, I was gonna ask Matt, how do you feel that all of your all of your prayers have been being answered by Chris Chan this whole time? Yeah, I think quite well, first, first of all, Matt is Jesus, so his prayers are already being answered by himself. Well, you know, we could probably we could probably write Chris a letter if we want. I don't want to be a ween. We should we shouldn't actually no, do that. No, we, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Mm. We really shouldn't. Mm. But, I, but it would be funny. I had a thought while reading this letter. What if there are people who are writing Chris and getting mail back and they don't tell anybody? Like Chris is just giving them mail, but tells them don't share this with the internet, and they actually don't share it. Like they just keep it to themselves because they think, holy Maybe. shit. I, although I think that's unlikely, though, because there's so much encouragement to publicly share things that Chris doesn't yeah. want publicly shared. I, I want I wanted to see like the uh, what what Kenneth sent to Christian. Yeah, I want to see that, too. All right. Third and final letter so yes. far. There's, uh, a, there's, there's a, a third one. Yeah, Chris had, Chris had a letter from jail in response to an attempt to convert him to Islam. I predicted <laughs> oh, this. No. I was like, what if Chris read the Quran? Oh, no. Would you like to start us off? I would love to. Transcription. Wait, this is the fourth letter? There was technically a letter zero uh, that was posted. It's just Chris going, send me money. Nice. D Greetings, Coupon 11 and all, October 3rd, 2021. The last response I have received from thee was that was one that was most filled with bad vibes, yet I am not at all shaken. I tell you once more, I meditate a lot, and I have connected with this in all universes and dimensions in this timeline, as well as the entire multiverse, so I speak only greatest and ultimate truths. Absolutely no lies, illusions, or delusions at all. List of Chris lies is a hyperlink within this. <laughs> I genuinely know who and what I am deepest and fully. And not only am I the goddess blue heart of the Commodore consoles and the nations of Quickville and Old Kama, but I am also and mainly the real player one, the one avatar, and this body is the one god body. I am the full reincarnation of none other than Jesus Christ of Nazareth himself. I am God and my mom is Emmanuel. Okay. God above okay. gods, including Allah herself. And I am, and I often speak and work with all of the other gods and goddesses. Allah is a good god, yes, but even he has his imperfection, concerns over his followers, and nationality of Islam. He and I both know that Islam contains a total population that includes around 40% of toxic haters, fakers, and sinners within it. And the total fallout <laughs> and conflicts within are... Certainly not too good. Rather thou wishes to believe or not, but between both the dimensional merge which is completed, all that remains of Universe 1218 is the failing Earth, period. Earth is at Universe 1C211987, and its Earth is where all the non... all of the non... Toxic majority shall be collectively shifted to and are at present with these events. I bring personally the second coming. And at present we are at Malachi 3 and 4 of the Old Testament. Literally. I continue my hardest work and efforts alongside 
And with everyone between both this Earth of 1218 and Earth of 1C211987, meditate long, deep, and hard on that to confirm for yourselves. My body writes this with my telepathy, guiding its thoughts in hand with an ally holy flame, soul maintaining it on my behalf. Alongside Allah, I can save most to all of you of this project of yours, but you need to be open for all gods in order for me to do this so. This choice is yours. Illustration of Sonichu Cross, Mrs. Chris, Mrs. Jesus, Christine Weston Chandler Sonichu, the goddess Blue Heart and Lord of All. Okay. What a legend. What a guy. <laughs> what a god. What a literal god. <sighs> is this real? Are we living in a real world? No, we I think are. so. It doesn't really feel like it anymore, does it? I mean, it's because of the dimensional merge, guys. That's true. Mm, you're right. It's happening. It really is happening. It already happened. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's completed. <laughs> do you... Th do you <laughs> I wonder if Chris, if Chris actually takes the stand. Is he going to tell everyone he's Jesus? He will. He actually will. He absolutely will. That you think he's that? You, you want to talk about an insanity plea? Yeah, that would that would do it. That would do it. Oh, fun. You can't stand trial if you don't believe you're the same person who did the thing that happened. But he does. No, the second letter was written from Sonichu. Not Chris Chan. It's true. Oh, we'll see. Jesus. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we actually have precedent for that. A person with multiple personality disorder, each one of the personalities had to swear in. So every everyone in, contained within Chris Chan would technically have to <laughs> swear. Oh, oh no. <sighs> Well, those were lovely. They were wonderful. They were great. I loved it. They were something. Perfect. Couldn't have been better. I don't know. I started choking to death. Ouch. So now that we're done reading that, what are we actually doing today? Well... What are we actually doing to Jacob Ball? I think all guardsmen present need to stand at attention. Oh, you don't mean. Yes. There's a party being held containing nothing but guardsmen. Wow. And I asked you the question, what's in the box? Jake, will you open the allguardsmanparty.com and go to that chapter? I forgot it's the allguardsmanparty.com. Amazing. Yep. What's in the box? What's in the box? Also, how the fuck do I turn off my PS5, Sergio? Um you you uh you can do it from the home menu. 
if you just move all the way over to the, the power button, or there is a button on the front of the console. One of them, I think the one at, like, if it was vertical, the one at the bottom is the, the button to turn it off. Where is, where is the fucking power button on the main menu? Isn't it like... See it. Oh, oh, wait, no, pre press the PlayStation button on the controller. Ah. Okay. I was mm. holding it, and it wasn't doing anything. Okay. Interesting. Okay, now, let us read. The All Guardsmen Party. Is everybody ready? Yes. Yep. What's in the box? I will go first. Is everybody okay with that? Yeah. Go ahead. Matt, Sergio, yes. speak now or forever hold your peace. Well, I told you to read the first paragraph. Shut up, bitch. Fuck it. This, <laughs> this is the ongoing tale of my voice cracking. This is the ongoing tale of a bunch of guardsmen who got drafted into the Inquisition after their regiment was reduced to a mere 37 men by a combination of orcs, heretics, more orcs, tyrannids, and of course their own leadership. Currently, they work for an Inquisitor that is the 40k equivalent of Professor Oak. He provides teams and missions to interrogators who need to get some leadership experience before becoming full Inquisitors. A lot of these guardsmen is... A lot of these guardsmen is rather thankless. They are matched up with five other less combat-focused team members assigned to an interrogator and sent out to fight the enemies of the Imperium. The squad recently lost their heavy weapon specialist to psycho-related bullshit. His replacement is Cutter, the only surviving melee specialist from the regiment. Cutter is strong, fast, and a little too enthusiastic for comfort. He signed up as a part of the regiment's local logistical support as a scribe, but the second he got his hands on a chainsword, he found his true calling. A life spent Scribing followed by a career in sorting has left Cutter a little socially inept, but a tendency to scream and hack off limbs excuses mo most social faux pas. His previous squad died after rather messily. Previous squad died rather messily when a squad of bloodletters got into melee range. Only Cutter was equipped to handle such a handle a close quarters battle. Cutter unsettles the other guardsmen, being bloodthirsty and aggressive is one thing, but willingly leaving cover to to willingly leaving cover to close to melee range is just plain crazy. You can tell that the further we get into this fic, the less proofread it gets. Because it's Italian. <laughs> Alright, am I next? Do you want to be next? Mm. Sure, go ahead. Be next. So this is a what is it? Is this from a movie? What's, What's in the box? From? Um, I don't know. It looks like Gene Wilder, so okay. I don't know. Yeah, it's from some kind of movie. <clears throat> Our story starts with the squad taking their seats in the shuttle as their new interrogator introduces the rest of their team and briefs them on their mission. They're being sent to. Take a peek at the new poppers some of the lads have found. Make sure everything is tickety-boo with the big ants and the boffins and give Greeny what for if things get dull. A pair of adepts and a pair of tech priests are trying to figure out what their mission actually is without insulting the new boss. An older man is serving tea and helping to decipher some of the interrogator's more arcane expressions. Doc is taking notes. Cutter is ignoring everything in favor of raiding the snack bar. And Nubby is picking at the decorative inlay on the table, trying to see if it's actually gold. Twitch is watching Sarge and getting very nervous. 
Sarge has realized he is currently the presence of the greatest known threat to a guardsman's life in the galaxy. An enthusiastic officer. <clears throat> the All Guardsmen Party and what's in the box? <laughs> I like this picture they have for the next one. Who would like to go next? Sergio? Sergio or Kai? I don't know. Sergio, I volunteer go. Sergio as tribute. Sergio, go. Sergio's Sergio? fucking dead. Kai, he's dead. Bring up okay, the I'll rear. go. <clears throat> so, no shit. There we were, on our way to an active war zone to investigate some guardsmen's shiny new guns. Guns which were apparently so good that the soldiers were refusing to t orders from the commissariat. The commissariat. Com commissariat to destroy them, and demands from the Adeptus Mecha Mechanicus wow, I'm glad to force them over. DMs, or at least Matt didn't. You only DM'd one of us. I thought Matt would read it. I said I was going to I'm go sorry, and grab my I, monster. I mute Discord during the recordings. <laughs> you could have at least noticed, like, oh, I got a, I got a the message from Sergio. No. I'm busy Refuse looking at the reading stuff, bro. That's you're, true. You're a chudley. You're a chudley. Like, you're a bitch. You're a hey. All right, no You didn't miss anything. They got an enthusiast. They have an enthusiastic well, officer. I, 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 I didn't take my. Him. I didn't take my headset off, so I was. Oh, okay. Okay, where where was I? Um, uh, mechanicus to fork them over. Okay. Third line. Uh, for the sake of these guns, guardsmen were actually defying two organizations that scared the bejesus out of any sane soldier, including us. We were quite possibly going to try to take these guns away from an unspecified number of guardsmen while they were using them in the middle of a battle with orcs. Our interrogator insisted it would be jolly good fun. The interrogator was such a stereotypical upper crust officer that, officer that it bordered on parody. He was prim, proper, cheerily bloodthirsty, and almost impossible to understand. Given the slightest motivation, he would regale anyone around him with old war stories or musings on the art of war or lectures on proper gentlemanly behavior. He wasn't one of the sneering bureaucratic officers, though. He firmly believed that he was just one of the lads and liked to get stuck in with the rest of the boys. To top this all off, he actually embraced the moniker Rupert, the insulting guardsman term for a knobby officer and insisted we call him by it. We would have called him that anyways. He was a complete bloody Rupert. But it just wasn't the same if he liked the name. He'd spent decades in the Guard, leading heroic charges by day, hosting formal dinners during the evening, retiring to the best accommodations around for the night. Fighting in the dark would simply be barbaric, and was well beneath him. At some point in all this, he acquired incredibly skilled... He acquired an incredibly skilled Batman. I know this is a, this is a British military term, but I'm not familiar with it. So it just in my head, I'm just imagining he acquired a Bruce Wayne, uh, who became absolutely key to the smooth running of his life, providing tea before it was asked for, scheduling meetings that no one knew was no one knew was needed, and identifying and disposing of several discreet threats to his charge's life. One day, an Inquisitor took note of the Batman's literally supernatural talent for butlery, and there was a bit of a scandal. 
One thing led to another, and both of them wound up joining the Inquisitor's retinue. And now, years later, they were still together and working to a better class of manners to the Inquisition. We called the Batman Alfred. I was going to suggest that before. Okay. I We traveled on a Navy vessel in surprising comfort. Apparently, the captain's family knew the Ruperts or something. In fact, it seemed that everyone over a certain rank had some sort of familial connection to our interrogator. The adepts spent the trip learning military law, the tech priest studied the technical reports on the new guns, and we tried our best to do our usual drill and sleep routine. Our interrogator wouldn't have any of that, though. The bugger insisted on wandering down to our barracks every few hours. Not a day would go by without him telling us the story of some incredibly valiant charge, stalwart defense, or duel to the death with the enemy leader. Sarge noticed that these stories never seemed to mention how many guardsmen died along the way. The Rupert also frequently dragged the adepts and tech priests down to our quarters and insisted they brief us on the results of their research. At first, we dismissed this as... as Dismissed this as some sort of misguided attempt to build camaraderie in the team, but he kept doing it. He even started asking for our opinions and actually listening to them, so long as they didn't go against his own. This sort of behavior worried us. It just wasn't normal. Something was seriously wrong when the backup muscle gets this much attention and intel. All right. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to tab over for a little bit. Are we on the, uh, the Professor Farnsworth image or the gun? The one above the Professor Farnsworth image. Okay, so this is... Is this Dread? Is this a Nazi movie? I can't tell. A Nazi movie. It's most certainly not Dread. Okay, I couldn't tell. <clears throat> then one day, Alfred showed up with perfectly fitted, insignia-less dress uniforms for all of us and started lecturing us on how to interact with senior officers as nominal equals. With dawning horror, we realized that this time we weren't the backup muscle for the adepts and tech priests. They were the backup brains for us. We were the primary investigation team. The Rupert expected us to go and be inquisitive. Us, the guardsmen, the mud feet, a group of undereducated overarmed gorillas with a penchant for laziness, petty theft, paranoia, and completely reasonable cowardice. We were expected to go out there and talk with Imperial Guard Generals, Mechanus Magi, and bloody Commissars, and look for heresy. Which we would presumably find by asking these scary people very nicely if they were heretics. Sarge went spare. As a unit, our previous experience in this sort of thing consisted of shooting anything we were told to, or was trying to kill us, or that just looked weird. We were not qualified to figure out which of those was which, Sarge and Doc might have been reasonably intelligent within their fields of expertise, but Nubby was a cretin and a thief, Cutter was borderline psychotic, and Twitch had spent the last few days wiring trip mines into all the cabin's air vents, just in case the Navy tried to kill us all in our sleep. Of course, every time the subject was broached with the boss man, all it got was a laugh, an admonition to be more confident, and a story about how Good old guardsmen know-how had solved problems no one else could figure out. When we finally reached our destination and marched out of our shuttle, we were probably the most nervous-looking men to ever wear such sinister uniforms. If the Rupert hadn't led the way, we would have probably been arrested for impersonating officers. The Emperor Forsaken Ball of Dirt we landed on was currently in the grips of a major war with the Orcs. The planet was being reclaimed from the Greenskins, and after the Navy had 
had their fun, it fell to the guard to remove the orcs from the economically vital regions of the planet. Hundreds of regiments were simultaneously clearing every hive on the planet with mixed <clears throat> amounts of success. One front, in particular, was doing far better than expected, largely due to the sudden appearance of new, more effective weapons in several of its regiments. Imperial forces were rapidly pushing greenskin forces out of the outer hive, and at this rate the hive would be taken months ahead of schedule. Of course, the immediate response to such resounding success was the generals on the other front calling the commissariat and ad mech down on the poor suckers. Bloody stupid brass. We walked into a three-way argument between the commissariat, the adeptus mechanicus, and generals in charge of the front. The commissars saw guardsmen winning fights without anyone being executed for cowardice and decided that this was obviously some form of heresy. The admix saw weapons that were far too shiny for guardsmen to use and decided that all these guns and their source should be given over to him. The front's generals saw a chance to be big damned heroes and wanted the commissariat and admec to go bother someone else. Sergio? Is that you? No. No, he goes before I go. Okay. And then, yeah. And then I go. It's, it's all with the picture of the gun. Yeah, over the next few days, we followed our interrogator around as he talked to our senior officers. Our day consisted of meetings, teas, briefings, and formal dinners. The Rupert seemed to know everybody who was anybody. He constantly chatted with the important people while we hung out with their subordinates. We finally got a clear set of details on the problem at hand. Auto guns, chainsaws, and body armor that were far superior to standard issue gear was being traded via the guards' black market. Guardsmen were quickly trading out their kit for the new gear and using it to wreck the orc shit. The amount of gear that was appearing was as impressive as its quality, but despite the sheer volume of weapons appearing on the market, no one was sure where they came from. After all, the Imperial Guards black market has experience dealing with hostile investigations, and both the soldiers and their officers were being less than helpful. Being a bunch of guardsmen ourselves, we weren't inclined to take useful weapons away from soldiers who need them. In our opinion, the Commissary and Admec were a bunch of dickheads, so we'd only do what they wanted if the weapons of their source proved to be evil. So the big questions we need to answer were, what was so special about the guns? Did they do anything to the troopers who use them? And where the hell did they come from? Answering these questions was apparently our job. The Rupert seemed to have no intention of doing anything aside from having tea with the rest of the brass. Occasionally, he'd offer a piece of, in of incomprehensible advice or send us to talk to someone specific or politely yell at someone who was being difficult, but mostly it was just tea. Alfred was generally more helpful. His advice and warnings helped immensely and kept us from making a making a complete hash of things. In addition to the dinners, teas, and soy is it soy soirees? Soirees? Soirees. Soirees. I'm not French. Uh, I lost my place because I, I couldn't. Soirees. Over the next few days, each of us went into a few briefings held by each of the three major players. We'd pair up with one of the adepts if we needed legal or investigative advice, or a cogboy if there's going to be any sort of techno babble. Otherwise, we'd, we'd bring a, a squad mate for moral support or act as a lookout if we were doing anything sketchy. In all of our, in all in all, our investigations turned out far better than we had expected. Of course, we had expected a complete and utter disaster, so only a few major scrubs was considered a wild success in our book. All right, cockboy, go ahead. <clears throat> the commissariat 
and the Mechanicus had detained a few troopers who had been using the weapons and obtained a few corpses of soldiers that had died using them. The picture is the medic pulling out Heavy's rib, by the way. <clears throat> the detainees were being kept around. Maybe. Whips go back. No, they don't. But the corpses had been immediately cut apart in the name of science. As the only member of our team with medical training, Doc was sent to talk with the medical staff and Magos biologists about what they had found. Of course, Doc wasn't really a doctor. Eh, he was a medic. He wasn't really in the business of curing people, just making them more comfortable while they die. So he thoroughly embarrassed himself during the briefings by asking stupid questions about how to spell things, why a procedure was done, and what the green wobbly bit was. In the end, though, he managed to determine that none of the soldiers had shown any sign of physical change aside from being a little stronger than average. Cutter and Sarge went to talk to the Munitorum, since Cutter was a former Munitorum scribe, and Sarge didn't trust Cutter not to kill anyone if left alone. Cutter's scribe training came through, and both of them got access to the records of the Munitorum kept on the new weapons, as well as a chance to examine one of the chain swords which had fallen into their hands. Throwing caution to the winds, Cutter took the sword and swung it around like an idiot. Cutter declared the sword to be pretty damned awesome and immediately claimed it as his own. When the Munitorum objected, he insulted their filing system and challenged them to a duel to the death for ownership of the shiny new sword. Sarge considered this to be perfectly normal behavior for Cutter, dumped the problem on one of the adepts, and got Cutter the hell out of there before he killed anybody. The real problems were Twitch and Nubby. Before the end of the investigation, both of them were banned from investigating anything ever again. Which wasn't the most stable person at the best of times, but he was far worse around orcs. It was an orc commando raid which had initially triggered his paranoia. So being this near, an entire army of them made Twitch incredibly, well, twitchy. He was initially sent to interview a few soldiers who had used the mysterious guns. Unfortunately, each session devolved in him questioning everyone in sight about the last orc sighting, the quality of the perimeter defenses, and whether anyone else had seen that barrel over their move. Twitch's only contribution to our investigation was repeatedly insisting that this was all the orc's fault. We eventually gave up on him and let him secure the base after a particularly memorable formal dinner. In a short period of time, he accused several officers of acting orky, decked clerk who tapped his shoulder and accused the troopers who restrained him of being cleverly disguised orcs. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Take it away, Surge. In some ways, Nubby was even worse. While Twitch wildly accused people of random objects of being orcs in disguise, Nubby was actually mistaken for a Gretchen on three separate occasions. The first two were embarrassing for everyone involved, but guards are meant to be suspicious, and no one was actually hurt. The third time was much worse. Nubby was supposed to be attending a demonstration of one of the mysterious guns along with one of the tech priests. The demonstration was held in an admech warehouse. Nubby being Nubby, he immediately dumped the job onto the tech priest and wandered off to see what was in stock. He was found by a pair of servo skulls as he pillaged the fancy-looking data slates out of several inadequately secured storage lockers. A short firefight ensued, which attracted a nearby engine seer, who in turn misidentified Nubby as a Gretchen looter and caused, called for reinforcements. By the time word got to Sarge, several more servo skulls were destroyed. Nubby was hiding behind a 
trade of plasma weapons, and a guard patrol was arguing with the engine seer about whether aggression could actually detonate a plasma weapon. Sarge sorted everything out, and a suspiciously bulking-looking nubby was escorted out of the building in exchange for a promise that he never returned. Between the interviews and the demos, we got a pretty good look at the weapons and their effects. The tech priest said that there wasn't anything sinister about their function. They were just well, they were very well made and never seemed to jam or misfire. There were a lot of fancy words about alloys and mechanicisms and shit too. Or me mechanisms, mechanicisms. Mechanisms and shit too, but that didn't really concern us. All we knew was that the auto guns hit about as hard as a bolter. The recoil was just hard enough to let you know the gun worked. And both their report and action sounded awesome. Cutter expressed similar sentiments about his new chainsword, along with dire threats against anyone who tried to take it away from him. He did the same thing if he tried to take away his food, though, so we were pretty sure it wasn't anything sinister. The incredible awesomeness of these weapons was suspicious, but Doc was positive that they weren't mutating anyone, just to be sure we had the Adepts and Alfred, who we were pretty sure was psychic, see if they could detect anything spooky about the gear. None of them detected any warp stuff around the weapons or armor, though Alfred said they were definitely a little weird. We had, we had almost all the information we needed now. We knew that the weapons were suspiciously awesome, and the soldiers used them because they knew they were awesome. We knew that none of the troopers were turning into demons or mutating, and the weapons weren't doing anything warpy. And Twitch knew that everyone was secret, secretly an orc. The only information that was still missing was the source of the gear, and as it turned out, that last piece of intel was the Nubby's pants. Hmm. Uh, during his little escapade in Mechanicus Warehouse, Nubby had crammed his packs, pockets, sleeves, and pants with expensive-looking knickknacks, parts, tools, and data slates. It was standard procedure to hold Nubby upside down and shake him after one of his adventures, mostly to see if he had gotten his hands on anything important, but also because we had a running bet on just how much he'd been taking. One of several data slates he had shoved down his Pants contained information about a crazier-than-usual Magos who had built a portable weapons factory. The factory had provided millions of weapons and tons of ammo to the local PDF, but it stopped working a few years after the Magos died to techno bonuses or something. Eventually, the weapons were replaced with more standard gear, but the factory was studied by generations of tech priests hoping to get it working again. Right up until an orc wog rolled over the whole fucking planet. We brought this info to the Rupert, who immediately recalled tales of an unusually well-armed group of greenskins that had been wiped out recently, as well as the name of the regiment which led the final attack. This just so happened to be the same regiment which was spearheading the current attack. A few transports were requisitioned, and our little force headed down into the thick of things to have a chat with the regiment. Of course, within minutes of our departure, convoys from the Commissariat and the Adeptus Mechanicus rolled out as well. The regiment in question was currently so far forward that you had to cross through orc-controlled territory to reach them. The only reason they weren't considered to be cut off and surrounded was the fact that they were kicking so much ass that their boots had to smell like orc butt. None of us were keen on crossing the gap between the main lines and the regiment, except for the Rupert, who was happily standing out of the top hatch and waving his sword around. We were paragons of bravery when compared to the adepts and tech priests, though, they didn't see the attraction of driving through a burned-out city filled with orcs. The second we left Imperial lines, our vehicle started taking small arms fire. Our interrogator cheerily blasted away with the pintle-mounted gun, gun, while we kept our heads down and the non-combatants pissed themselves in terror. 
All in all, the drive was pretty pleasant, though. Nothing heavy enough to pierce the armor was fired at us. The drivers dodged all the landmines, and none of the orcs were good enough shots to hit the Rupert. Unfortunately, it came to an end at a crude barricade a few blocks short of the regiment's position. Now, a sane man would have just driven back a bit and tried a different street, but not our Rupert. With a tally-ho, he hopped out of the top hatch and charged the barricade. We all stared at him for a few seconds as he calmly climbed the barricade, completely ignoring the shots landing all around him. We were considering the merits of just leaving him out there when Cutter revved his sword and charged after him with Alfred close on his heels. No one could have called what, what followed a heroic charge, but it had more in common with a comedy sketch with <clears throat> the valiant assault on enemy lines. <laughs> you, <clears throat> your possessive typical hero heroic charge doesn't have two adept screaming like little girls or a pair of tech priests bitching about illogical behavior or a bunch of guardsmen trying to keep the nerds down below the covering fire from our drivers. Also, most charges are supposed to be against something more fearsome than a bunch of Gretchen with handguns, but we weren't complaining. Of course, none of that bothered the Rupert. He and Cutter gleefully ran to the top of the barricade and started wreaking havoc with swords and pistols, while Alfred did his best to keep them from getting shot in the back. Eventually, the rest of us caught up with the rest of the idiots. The Gretchen routed, the drivers headed back to the main lines, and Rupert led us on an invigorating stroll to the city. We followed the sound of autogun fire to the regiment's perimeter, where we found the way blocked by a bunch of full-sized orcs who were busy tossing Gretchen out of cover and watching them pop. Cutter from this absolutely hilarious. Thinking quickly, Sarge had Alfred distract our interrogator with a flask of tea while we formed a plan. Twist, Twitch would run... Twitch would lead with some grenades, Saint Sarge would flank left, Nubby and Doc would lay down covering fire, and Cutter would run straight and screaming before any of us got into position. Cutter's sudden charge cut us all off guard. It's a, it is a widely known fact that no guardsman has any business being closer to an orc than the maximum range of their last gun. Orcs are bigger, stronger, and tougher than almost any soldier, and they usually have a bunch of buddies nearby. Despite all this, the bloody psychopath was, was rushing straight into melee range with... with of a whole squad of boys. We did our best to lay down covering fire and watch in surprise as instead of dying messily, Cutter began taking the greenskins apart. His new sword wrecked their choppas and its berserk fury surprised the hell out of the orcs. Limbs were flying, blood was everywhere, the Gretchen were screaming, and not a single orc noticed that we were mowing them down while they were busy. But it wasn't enough. The orcs began to overwhelm Cutter and we were sure that our melee specialist was going to be squig food. Then, with a scream that perfectly matched Cutter's, another group of guardsmen ru rushed into the orcs from behind. The fight was over in seconds, and we all moved forward to greet the troopers who had saved Cutter. As we approached, we noticed that each of them had a shiny new lasgun chainsword and a set of body armor. We had found the regiment. The walk to Regiment's HQ was a little awkward. The troopers who escorted us were the biggest, ugliest, smelliest soldiers we had seen outside of the Ogren Auxiliaries, and their accents were the worst we'd ever heard. Now, every world has its own variation of low gothic, and several older regiments even have their own battle languages. So it wasn't unheard of for guardsmen from different regiments to have trouble talking to each other, but this was just ridiculous. It sounded like low gothic with half the letters missing, a lot of shouting, a bit of hitting, and a ridiculous amount of slang. We couldn't understand half of what they said, and they didn't even try to understand us. It was lucky that Cutter had picked up their language somewhere and was able to act as a translator. 
With Cutter's help, we managed to convey that the interrogator wanted to talk to their commander, that two friendly convoys would be arriving shortly, and that we wanted to know where their guns came from. To our surprise, this was accepted without fuss. There weren't any pointed questions, or evasions, or violent reactions. The Rupert, Cutter, and Alfred went off to talk to the regimental commander, while the rest of us were taken to see just what the troopers called the box. It's a fucking board cube. The image. Yeah. Well, the box was a huge pile of pipes, gears, screens, and other techie stuff, all crammed into a cube the size of a normal hab, which sat on a large flatbed in a warehouse. It had a big hopper on one end and a few conveyor belts coming out the other. And we, as we watched, a huge mass of mess, a mass, a huge mess of scrap metal was dumped into the hopper by some of the troopers. A little later, a few of the new weapons rolled out on the belts and were collected by the troopers. The tech priests were freaking out and yelling at each other in binary. We took this as a positive identification of the box as the Majos gun factory. We sat around and watched the box for a while while the adepts and the tech priests did their thing. Oh, there's a cat. Um... Sergeant Doc speculated about the value of the box and whether the odd behavior of the troopers was something sinister or not. To a man, they were bigger and meaner looking than most guardsmen. The regiment was much farther forward than any sane guardsman would push, and they all seemed to be happy. Guardsmen are not supposed to be happy. Sarge was betting on some sort of demon living in the box. Doc thought there might have been some sort of heretical archaeotech in there. Nubby didn't care, and Twitch had his own theory. Twitch's paranoia had apparently gotten the better of him. He was interrupting every conversation to tell us that the troopers were orcs, and the box was full of orcs, and that the orcs outside were double orcs. Eventually, we sent him to go secure us a base. The nerd said that they couldn't concentrate with all his shouting. This is I think he's right. <laughs> I think he's right. I think so, too. Uh-oh. I think it's WOG related. Uh, is it, uh, Sarge didn't have to worry, though? Is that the next yeah. one? Okay, Sarge didn't have to worry, though. Before any of the idiots got to the barricade, the troopers jumped out of cover and countercharge, auto guns in one hand, chainsaws in the other. The Wait, troopers ran screaming and... Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 my bad. I just want to bother. Yeah. When the interrogator returned from his little meeting and we brought him up to speed in the box, Sergeant Doc shared their concerns about it being demonic and corrupting the regiment. But the Rupert wouldn't hear a word of it. He maintained the regiment was positively spiffing, a splendid example of indomitable guards and spirit, and that the regimental commander was a jolly good fellow with just the right about attitude for life in the guard. Manners might need some more polish, though. The nerds and Alpha were no help. They all maintained that there was no, no warp corruption around the box. Though Alfred did admit it feel, uh, felt a little odd. As a last-ditch effort, Sarge convinced the Rupert to take a tour of the lines and wants the troopers in action. So once again, we split the party. Sarge, Cutter, and Alfred, and the interrogator went out to see how the troopers act in combat, while the rest of the team kept an eye on the box. The regiment was constantly fighting orcs, so it was easy to find some action to watch. A section of the perimeter was currently taking fire from a group of orcs. And, they, and as they watched, a full-out assault was launched. Sarge was taking careful note of the troop. Troopers' discipline, poor, accuracy, abysmal, and attitude, excited, when he noticed that Cutter and Rupert were missing. Both of them were rushing to reinforce the troopers' firing position before the orcs closed the melee. With a curse, he and Alfred ran to catch up. So, Sarge didn't have to worry, though, because before either of the idiots got to the barricade, the troopers jumped out of cover and countercharged. 
Auto guns in one hand and chainsaws in the other, the troopers ran screaming and and everything devolved into a melee. Sergeant and blah, blah, blah. Sergeant the Rupert stood on the barricade and watched in disbelief as more and more orcs and troopers ran to join the fight, both sides abandoning their positions for a fight for a chance to join the brawl. They were barely able to keep Cotter from running in too. If they hadn't all worked to restrain him, he would have happily taken his new chainsaw into the melee. This was enough to convince the interrogator that things were screwed up and the box needed to go. Cutter was dragged away from the growl from the growing fight and as they went to rejoin the team and see if blowing the source of the weapons to pieces fixed anything. Cutter calmed down as soon as he was away from the fight, but Sarge was pretty sure that the melee specialist was currently crazier than usual and had started looking for a way to get the chainsword off of him without losing any fingers. When they reached the warehouse, they found it crawling with troopers. With Cutter's help, they, they talked their way inside, where they found blood, bullet holes, and several more troopers guarding the box, and Twitch barricaded in the room he had been fortifying. While Sarge and Cutter had been out spectating, the rest of us had been chilling in the warehouse. Suddenly, all of our comms went dead, and one of the tech priests helpfully informed us that we were being jammed. Not having anything better to do, Doc and Nubby got directions towards the source of the jamming and left Twitch in charge of the nerds and the box. Twitch did not feel this was important enough to merit leaving the room he was currently wiring with mind. The source of the jamming turned out to be three chimeras with commissary markings that had just arrived. A single commissar and a few squads of stormtroopers were milling around trying to talk to the troopers and failing spectacularly. The second he saw the two guardsmen, the commissar and his goons marched over and ordered them to lead him to the source of the weapons. This was a little unfair. We were in the Inquisition. We were supposed to be the guys that went around the stormtroopers ordering people to do stuff they didn't want to do. Doc raised this point, but the commissar was not inclined to take orders from a bunch of jumped up guardsmen. When Doc tried to press the issue, he got clubbed to the ground by one of the goons and Nubby decided that not having a concussion was the better part of valor. Doc was left on the ground as Nubby led the commissar and his men to the box. Once they arrived, the commissar took one look at the box and made a terminal mistake. In nice, loud, clear speaking, he ordered his men to remove all the troopers from the room and rig the box with explosives. Second, one of the goons tried to evict a trooper. Shit went south. The goon got decked. The commissar shot the trooper, a few dozen more troopers rushed in, and things devolved into a general melee. Nubby and the, n the nerds took their chance and ran for Twitch's safe room, but the traps weren't quite finished, and open opening the door would have probably killed them all. So Nubby and the rest hid behind some rubble and watched as the commissar and his goons were hacked to pieces by the enraged troopers. The fight went on for a good while after the last of the commissar's goons were dead. But eventually, the troopers got tired and things quieted down. The corpses that littered the floor weren't just left there, though. The troopers started gathering them up and dumping them into the box, where they were consumed with wet, crunching sounds. This was a bit too much for one of the adepts. And before Nubby could restrain him, the stupid bugger started screaming and praying. The troopers took notice of this and wandered over to the team's hiding spot. Nubby immediately surrendered to the troopers, and they were all led away with by a big one with a whip. None of the troopers even checked the door that led to Twitch's bolt hole. Sergio. Um. The one with the soccer dick kick. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, this one. <laughs> after, all of the, 
After all of this was relayed to Sarge and the Rupert, it was decided that there'd be no more splitting up. Twitch was pried out of his pile of explosives and trip wires, and the whole group set out to find the rest of they set out to find the rest of they set off to save the rest of the team. What followed was much more of a scavenger hunt than a rescue mission. The adepts were found first. They were both waist-deep in a latrine pit with shovels, while a bunch of troopers laughed and threw things at them. Cutter negotiated their release by kicking the largest trooper present in the crotch. The tech priests were in a nearby building, helping a larger-than-usual trooper with a few automatics wield enti weld entire chain swords onto autogun bayonet mounts. Cutter's negotiation tactic failed. It turned out the trooper's augmetics were a little more extensive than they first appeared. Luckily, he was too busy laughing at Cutter's pain to notice when one of the tech priests camped behind him and tased him. Doc was found in the medical tent, where a trooper in a smock was chasing him around with a circular saw and screaming about fixing that pesky brain. We skipped straight to the tasing this time, and then went off to find Nubby. To our surprise, Nubby was in the command tent serving drinks and snacks to the regiment's officers and dodging the occasional kick. The officers were all huge men, by the far the biggest we'd seen so far. But the commander dwarfed them all. It took three sets of body armor clutched together to fit him. He was covered with weapons, and he had the commissar's hat on his head. We weren't keen to try tasing him, and having Cutter kick him in the junk was out of the question. So tactically as possible, the Rupert greeted the commander and offered to exchange a flask of his brandy for Nubby's release. To our relief, he accepted. We reunited once more. We all headed for the box to sort things out before one of the troopers snapped, and we all got killed. We immediately ran into, into problems when the troopers guarding the warehouse wouldn't let us in. A few arguments and blatant lies were tried, but the guards absolutely refused to stand aside. The Rupert started making plans for a glorious assault in which we would easily kill all the troopers, destroy the box, and then ride a tank of unspecified origin to safety. Sars decided to make, go make his own plan. It was Nubby's newfound status as a reg, as reg, 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 Bleh. Regimental bitch that saved us from the Rupert's plan. While our interrogator brainstormed with the nerds about where, the, where a unit of horse cavalry could be find, found for the victory parade, the rest of us did a little experimenting. We quickly discovered that as long as he was carrying a pile of junk taller than he was, the guards would just ignore the greasy little soldier, only paying enough attention to throw a kick his way or lazily tr try to trip him. Seizing the, seizing the initiative, we stuck a pair of debt packs into a few pieces of scrap metal and sent our most cowardly squad mate to go destroy the box and save the day. All right. <clears throat> Sorry about that. You're good. Arms, arms loaded with cargo. Yes, arms loaded with cargo. Nubby waddled towards the warehouse entrance. We all held our breath as one of the guards looked right at him, but all the trooper did was aim a lazy kick at Nubby's rear as he sidled past. We were all on pins and needles, ready to leap into action the second Nubby called for help. But the call never came. Instead, after a few minutes, Nubby sprinted back out as casually as he could manage. Right as he passed the guards, one of them held out his foot and Nubby ate dirt. All the guards laughed as Nubby face-planted and landed right on the detonator he was holding. We all hit the dirt as an explosion shook the warehouse. Immediately afterwards, we heard several smaller, wetter-sounding explosions. As we rode out of cover to check on Nubby in the warehouse, we were greeted by the sight of several headless guards slumping onto the ground. Sarge saluted the stunned Rupert, informed him that the perimeter was clear, and requested further orders. Not being men to look a gift horse in the mouth, or at least not this particular gift horse, we grabbed the nubby and followed our interrogator into the warehouse to make sure the box was completely destroyed. Inside, we found several more headless troopers, and inside of the box, blown up like a bag of popcorn. Weapons raised, we slowly flanked around to get a look at what was inside, ready to face some demonic monstrosity. 
it was full of orcs. And Twitch had never looked quite so smug. Well, they weren't exactly orcs. They looked more like orc servitors. Servitorks. Regardless of what precisely they were, the second one of us... what. The second one saw us, they let out a mighty wag and charged. We were ready for them, though. Sorry, I had to. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Matt. Very cool. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. You're welcome. We were ready for them, though. I was not ready for that. Um, And the fact that most of them were still attached to the box by tubes and cables slowed their pace significantly. We poured last far blast fire into the servitorks as they piled out of the box. Fire discipline was maintained, targets were called out, and every soldier stood his ground. Unless you counted the adepts or tech priests, that is, they ran like little girls. We were bloody pros. It seemed like every shot we fired either killed or crippled, and the last servitor collapsed a few feet short of a very disappointed cutter. We slowly advanced in the smoking hole in the box, keeping, keeping an eye out for more surprises, and on Twitch's insistence, headshotting every single fallen orc. When we reached the edge of the hole, we all stopped. The box was now filled with billowing smoke and random sparks. None of us guardsmen were eager to find out why. While we all stood around and debated the merits of walking into a smoking, Xenos-powered weapon dispenser, one of the tech priests apparently found his balls. He marched past us, head held high, and declared his intent to return the relic to the bosom. The om- bosom. Om- Omnissiah. Omnissiah. A few seconds later, there was a loud zap, and a smoking pile of metal sailed back out of the hole. The Rupert let out an anguished shout, anguished shout, and swore revenge. Truly, that cogboy had been a man among men, and his would, his like would never be seen again. He started a very moving speech about bravery, camaraderie, and charging into a, a box full of sparking smoke that was obviously hiding an orc psyker. While he did this, we all popped frags and chucked them into the box. Repeat this until we were out of frags, and then waited until the smoke faded and revealed a partially sagged interior with a few smoldering orc bits. The remaining tech priest was not too happy with us, and the Rupert seemed pretty put out that no one wanted to charge into the smoke. But we did give a shit. We didn't give a shit. As far as we were concerned, this was a job well done. The last thing to do was slap enough debt packs onto the damn thing to make sure that no one could ever fix it. When we explained our plan to the rest of the team, the remaining tech priest called us a bunch of uneducated meatbags and stormed off. We ignored this and went to retrieve the munitions that Twitch had been wiring into this bolt hole. This was not exactly a fast process, and Twitch spent the entire time gloating, so everyone but Sarge went to go check the perimeter. Outside the warehouse, the camp was absolute chaos. Only the troopers near the warehouse had lost their heads. The rest of them just seemed very confused about what the hell was going on. The Rupert grabbed one of the panicking troopers and demanded a Savage report. An entirely non-orky accent, the soldier explained that the entire regiment had just realized that they were overextended, short on ammo, and had no defensive positions worth manning. The entire regiment was prepared to bug the hell out and get back to, to main Imperial lines. If we wanted to get out before the covering brush hit, we need to get moving too. It felt damn good to hear that. We were all congratulating ourselves, grabbing well-earned smokes, and watching Twitch work when the tech priest returned. 
He made a very passionate sounding plea for returning the box to the admec for study. His completely monotone voice was overflowing with emotion and it melted our icy guardsman heart. How could we stand in the way of science and deprive the mechanicus of what was practically a holy relic? With tears in his eyes, Sarge told the tech priest that he could take home all the scrap he could carry after we blew the damn thing to shrapnel. For some reason, this didn't go over well. There was a lot of shouting, some unkind things were said, and eventually the Rupert came over to see what all the fuss was about. We explained the situation and the tech priest made his case for taking the mind-altering Xenos-powered box of horrors home with him and presumably marrying us since he loved the damn thing so much. Luckily, our interrogator came down on the side of reason. He very politely told the cogboy that this idea was incredibly stupid, and by extension, so was the cogboy for even thinking it. This was the last drop for the tech priest. He screeched something in binary, and metal claws ripped through one of the warehouse doors. Apparently, the mechanicus convoy had arrived. Oh boy. <clears throat> the senior majus of the local ADMEC detachment, the one who had been arguing with us about proper ownership of the weapons during the investigation, tore through the doors, and he was a lot bigger than we remembered. When we had initially dealt with the magus, he had looked like a normal tech priest. He'd apparently decided to go get a few combat augmentics for his trip to the front. Being guardsmen, we all firmly believed that there was no such thing as overkill, but this was pretty frickin' close. There were probably smaller dreadnoughts out there. He stomped in with a few servitors backing him up and calmly asked the Rupert to reconsider. A sane man might have seen the folly of arguing with a three-meter-tall pile of guns and mechandendrites, but not our interrogator. In his mind, there was no way he could be wrong. Anyone who disagreed was either unbelievably stupid or doing it just to spite him. Therefore, it was his job to either educate them or win them over with his gentlemanly charm. While we stood back and tried to look non-threatening, the poor bastard did his damnedest to explain the way the universe was to work to an increasingly annoyed Magus. When this failed, we tried to appeal to the humanity of a creature that was more closely related to a Lehman Russ than the average human being, and when that inevitably failed, the Rupert gave in to his frustration, drew his sword, and challenged the metal monstrosity to a duel. In response, he was tased. Tasing probably isn't the right term. For one thing, most tasers aren't Tesla coils mounted to the end of a metal tentacle. Also, tasing doesn't usually involve a 10-foot bolt of lightning that melts swords or chars arms to the bone. It sure as hell incapacitated the Rupert, though. That was enough to convince us that we wanted no part of this shit. While Alfred and Doc saw to our slightly overcooked interrogator, Sarge formally surrendered the box to the Majos and Twitch and had Twitch hand over the detonator to the explosives he had covered the box with. We bid farewell to the Majos and the little shit stain of a tech priest, then made our way to the exit. As we left, we watched the two cog boys, practically oiling their pants in delight, walked up to the box, then reverentially entered it through the hole we had blasted. Then Twitch hit the trigger on his backup detonator. Seriously, who doesn't set up redundant detonators when they're doing demolition work it's not like you want to walk up and try to fix if your detonator fails some people are just so stupid yeah sorry girl 
We made our way to the Camaras the Commissar had used to get here and requisitioned a few drivers from the regiment. The trip back was much less eventful than the trip out. Half a regiment had just been through the area, and no Gretchen is dumb enough to take pot shots at a Camara. Sarge used the vehicle's Vox to call HQ and get them to walk the covering barrage over the regiment's former position after the retreat was finished. Sure, we had reduced the two tech priests and the box of greasy stains on the ground. There's no harm in making sure. We rode back to HQ to the comforting sound of IG artillery in our ears. Sarge's team deliver Sarge delivered the team's report to the generals and the other big wigs since Rupert was, was doped to the eyeballs on painkillers. We gave the regiment and the remaining weapons a clean bill of health. After the box and its weird boy had been dealt with, the weapons had stopped being supernaturally awesome and the troopers had stopped acting like orcs. All that remained was was some perfectly normal gear and some unusually buff soldiers. We pinned the death of the commissar and his stormtroopers on the orcs. It was more or less true anyway. The com the commissariat Commissariat wasn't exactly happy with this explanation, but they blamed us instead of the troopers, and we were already on our way off planet, so we didn't worry too much. The Mechanicus was also pretty pissed about the destruction of the box. Unfortunately, their boss had mysteriously gone missing during the retreat, and they didn't have, have the authority to really do anything about it. We suggested that both groups lodge a formal complaint with Oak. With the help of Alfred, we requisitioned a berth on a Navy ship going our way, then got the hell off that planet before the com Commissariat or Mechanicus tried to kill us. The ride back to Professor Oak's spacefaring inquisitorial doom school was relaxing. Doc got to learn about augmetic shoulder sockets and even helped the Navy surgeon install one on the Rupert. Nubby and Cutter played around with the weapons and gear they'd looted. Sarge helped Alfred write the final report and enjoyed the fact that the adepts were too scared to talk to him now. Twitch gloated like a dog that caught a squirrel. Every conversation with him started with, Remember how I said it was orcs and you all called me crazy? There's nothing quite as annoying as a paranoid who's been proven right. And eventually we got back to Oak's ship, delivered our report, and wandered back down to our little section. And it was good to be home. A few days later, well before we could get into the proper spirit of R&R, &R, a runner came for us with orders to report to Oak's office. We all thought back to when we told the Admech and Commissari to file a complaint and desperately hoped that Oak wasn't about to turn us all over as a gesture of goodwill. Sarge's fears were unfounded, though. After the rest of the team arrived, Oak praised us all for our exceptional performance, congratulated the interrogator especially for identifying the root cause of the problem, removing a piece of heretical technology, and handling the political situation without launching a massive and wasteful purge. Sarge had to kick Twitch when identifying the root cause was mentioned. After he finished praising us and lamenting the treachery of our tech priest, Oak presented a rosette to the Ruper and welcomed him as a full member of the Ordos. To our considerable surprise, the Ruper turned the promotion down. With tears in his eyes and a choke in his voice, the Rupert explained that while Oak was happy with our team's performance, he was not satisfied with his own personal performance on the mission. He gave a heartfelt speech about the importance of looking out for your men, listening to their advice, to which got another kick here, and not taking foolish personal risks like challenging giant metal men to duels. We only understood three words in ten, but it was very touching nonetheless. He ended the speech with a request that Oak let him take the exam again after he got a new augmetic arm. A rather bemused Oak agreed and dismissed us all, as we left the Rupert thanked us for our valiant service and promised to request us for his team once he had recovered. We weren't sure how we felt about that. He wasn't perfect, but definitely there but we're definitely worse interrogators out there.
Once the drama was over, we all went and enjoyed our downtime as only guardsmen on leave can. There's an old guard saying, life is short, party hard. Our R&R ended far too soon. We all still had money and functioning brain cells when the runner came for us. Sarge got us all into to the suits Alfred had gotten us, and looking far too spiffy, we marched ourselves onto the waiting shuttle. The most beautiful woman we had ever seen greeted us and told us to stand easy. Then, with a smile that would have made the Emperor himself rush, at, she asked us what we knew about gene stealers. <laughs> Guards barely managed to catch Nubby and Twitch as they bolted for the shuttle hatch. Well, that was fun. Can we do another one, or are we calling it here? No, I'm too tired. I'm sorry. Yeah, we got. We should call it tomorrow. Okay. All right. Let me. Update. What you? I I thought I thought that one was really good. I thought the, yeah. the twist that it was a a mech boy in a box. Uh, a weird boy in a box. Thank you very much. A, sorry, a weird boy in a box. Yeah, I, I liked it. I kind of saw it coming. Box. Just because they were like, oh, they're really buff and they're kind of talking funny and. There's and orcs. There's green bits on them. Like, yeah, of course it's fucking orcs. It was still fun, though. Very fun. I'm mildly confused. What are you confused Why? about? I don't know. I just don't. I don't understand a lot of the things. Like, not story wise, but just. Lore wise. So basically, so, so, so basically, um,. Uh, so, so the the thing about orcs and Warhammer is that they have this like psychic field called the Wa field, and it allows their technology to work because they believe it'll work. It's like the the com okay. like 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 the 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 common uh, my favorite way to sum it up is like a bunch of orcs they get into a, to a truck and it like runs out of gas, and the, the the orcs like crap we're out of gas, and then he gets like snacked smacked on the back of the head by another orc, and he goes, "What are you talking about? I filled it up before we left," and then he turns the key and. It works because everyone believed, well, the biggest orc said that he filled it up so the car can obviously work. So they were putting literal, like, bullshit into the box, and the orc uh, weird boy inside was like, yeah, I'll just cobble this together and make a really awesome weapon. And because he believed it was awesome, it worked. That's why when they picked it up, they were just like, this is just like a regular gun. Why is it work?" It's because everyone was believing that okay. it was yeah, working. It goes, it goes further than that. There's this, yeah. you know what psychers are, they they have access to the warp and shit like that. Well, the warp energy is like raw belief. It's just pure willpower. And all orcs are all psychers. They all have psychic power. And okay. as they get bigger, as they get stronger, they emit more of a wog field. Um, Technically, the wog field is just all psychic energy. Like... If humans were all psychers, they would also have a wog field. There's nothing special about the wog field, particularly, besides the fact that orcs that... are really fucking dumb. So they're easily <laughs> convinced of the most inanely, insanely ridiculous and stupid shit. They wholeheartedly, they just emphatically know that if you paint something red, it goes faster. Red things are fast. Yeah. Red things are fast. Which is why all their cars are painted red. Because red and means the, it goes faster. And because the, the, the soldiers were tapping into the WAP, that's why they were getting bigger and talking like orcs. And then when they were cut off from it, they just got all confused because the, the, the kind of like... Or the died. Wore off. 
Okay. Or died. Yeah, because like orcs when they get really into something and they're weird boys, which means they have really strong psychic fields, they can do some crazy shit. This is and like most yeah. most psychics yeah. that lo- like like lose their psychic abilities. Weird po- boys are prone to exploding. Very all right, prone well, to exploding. Well, all orcs have access to the to the the wall field to a certain degree, which are, they're the only the, the only purely psychic race, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're not, not psychers all, they in the way that they're human psychers. Like they can't yeah, just pick they, shit up with their mind. Yeah, they can't really control it, but the weird boys can to an extent. Like it's mm-hmm. not like orcs can just be like, "Oh, I'm going to make this weapon really good and." It's yeah, just they, gonna be really good. He's like, oh, boy, check it out. These weapons are way better than they should be. And then the because he's big and powerful, they're like, oh, I bet it's big and strong, boss. And then they use it, and it, you know, does more. Yeah, I mean, that that's the that's the kicker is they don't know that they have the wog field. They don't think it's real. They think it's just how things work. Well, they, it's not that they don't think it's real, <clears throat> they just don't really know about it. Well, yeah, they, it's not like they've been told about it either in the first place. They just genuinely don't, they're not aware of it. They're not consciously thinking, oh, we've got the wog field, so we're going to believe in this. Like, if you pick up an orc gun, it's like, imagine you explained how a gun worked to a child. And you had a child draw a gun. The drawing of the gun is what you would hand to the orc, and the orc would say, yeah, that's how a gun works. And it would work. Well, not ex- not exactly, because all, all like, orc types have, like, like they know how guns work, and they can make guns, they just don't know why. They just yeah, know that's it, how it, they it, work. It's like, it's if I handed like a, a pipe, like, if I handed a pipe to an orc, right, they'd be like, this is a pipe, it's not a gun. But then, if, like, they added, like, a trigger, like, a a firing mechanism. They'll see it's a see the bullet goes in here, and then the trick. Like they 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 know generally how a gun works. So if you hand them something with those tools, they will like it'll work. Right, but if you handed a human, like a guardsman, the same gun that an orc uses, he'd be like, "This is yeah, fucking work. trash. It doesn't. It's like a. It's not a toy gun, but it's it's like a recreation of a gun, but just a recreation of something." is real to an orc. If he's convinced it's real, it is real. To an extent. Okay. Like, if an, if you made a... Well, one orc believing in something isn't enough. Like, one orc... Yeah, you believing, need a lot of them. Yeah. One orc saying, I'm gonna beat the fuck out of you. That's not good enough. But if, like, 50 of your buddies think you're gonna beat the shit out of this guy, and he only has 10 buddies who think he's gonna beat the shit out of you, you're probably gonna win just on the basis that they think you're gonna win. It's also Bam. like, it's also like, um, like, for example, let's say you were, like, part of a small orc tribe, and you all believed that your boss could breathe fire. He can breathe fire, but as soon as you, you merge with a larger orc group, and they're like, he can't breathe fire, he'll stop being able to breathe fire. Yeah. That's Which what makes why... Gaskol so powerful. Gaskol yeah. is the is the leader of the largest faction of orcs, the Goths. Well, mm-hmm. not, not the Goths exclusively. He kind of he kind of leads a bunch of factions of all of the orc like groups. He's the and biggest basically, and the strongest. He's, he's this twenty foot like like cyborg orc that just cyborg. Like he can't die because he's just so powerful. He's so powerful that he can. Um, 
He can fucking just make, like, Gretchens become different people. Like, uh, in the most recent book about him that they released recently, I own it. Spoilers for a book that isn't possible to buy right now. Um, fucking, at one point, his, his flag bearer gets killed by, uh, by, uh, like, a backstabbing, like, uh, fucking... Do- what what are the what are the medics called? The Doc Boys? Yeah. Uh, just like Docs, I think. Docs. Med yeah. Boys. Something like that. Um. Pain Boy. A Pain Boy threw him pain, out of threw him boy. into space and killed him. And then um, they're like, "Wait, if you're dead, then how are you here?" And he goes, "Oh, well, Gashko gave a gave a gave a Gretchen a my flag and said." Oh, you're Makari now, and then I was, and then I was me. <laughs> and it happens like six times in the book. It's not a one-off thing. Oh my god! And it's the same flag carrier yeah, work every yeah, time. Yeah, he's like, yeah, Makari, and he has all the memories of Makari. Or and, um, and one of my favorite examples, Gazkol's arch nemesis, who has a, a cyborg eye. The the orc started telling them telling each other that it was a laser eye and he could kill people like from a mile away and then it just he just started he just being could. able to do that okay. my favorite my favorite example of the orc wogfield is oh, commissar yark that beautiful yeah, that yeah i was talking about yark. That's, the, that's, the, that's the laser eye man he yeah. also um he's but, an orc power claw that he attached yeah, to his uh, to an arm that he lost, and it's an it is an and, orc power claw. It's not a human yeah. prosthetic. It's a fucking yeah. piece of junk. It's just a big old hunk of scrap. <laughs> but it shape. works. And, and, and he, yeah, and he it can works. use it because they they believe he can use it because they just think he's that awesome. They're like, oh, that Yarik guy's all right for Yumi. He's so cool. He can he can use your power claw, and then you know. And I'm sure you can. Imagine. He, he, he wakes up one day and he's like, oh, my power claw fucking is on fire and I'm, you know, crushing people's skulls with it. Yeah, and I'm sure you can infer this, Kai, but the more Commissar Yark beats the fuck out of orcs, the more they think they can't kill him. He's so, the only oh he's God. the only creature in existence that Gaskell respects besides like Makari. Yeah. So pretty much he's any like, orc he... that knows who Commissar Yark is could never beat him. Damn. Is there um Caiaphas Kane has no orc belief in him, right? Or is there? No, Caiaphas Kane is just full of shit. Right. Uh there's a quote by Gaskell where he says, You you mean is, is all weak scum that deserve to get stomped. Except for one eye Yarek, he knows how to fight. Which is the closest thing Gaskell has ever given to a compliment to anybody. And I've always wondered this. Do Imperial ships naturally go faster if they're painted red in orc space? They don't yes. talk about... Okay, they do. Yes. yes. The, 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 the orc effect is retroactively applied when they, like... Like, 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 like orcs show up it. into a system and they see things red. Starts going faster. Does it? It doesn't permanently go faster, right? Like once. No, just as long as there's orcs around. Yeah. That's God, it is so funny. If you like, just trapped a bunch of orcs in cages and got them to start believing shit, and it would just start happening. 
Do you have any, any? Are we gonna start you, gaslighting the Ark? <laughs> the Imperium. Do you have any other uh, any other questions, Kai, about yes, anything we, in this? We story? love explaining as many things about the Warhammer universe as we can. Uh, I don't think so. Oh, the, um, no, Omnissiah. That's one that, um, Yeah, that. What is that? The Omnissiah is the prophet of... So the, the Mechanicus don't worship the Emperor as a god but on a technicality because they, uh, they worship the Omnissiah, the machine spirit, which is just okay. like the, a spirit that lives in all machines that uh, may exist but also may not. And they, but, they just um, say that the Emperor is the Omnissiah so they don't get genocided by the Imperium? Yeah. There's the, the, so some who believe he's the Omnissiah. Some people be, some believe that he's the prophet of the Omnissiah. And some people just say it. Yeah, it's kind of like a lot of things in Warhammer lore. It's very nebulous, kind of. Yeah, they, the, like, they the, like having plausible deniability. Yeah, the, the the machine spirit is something that's like up to debate on whether or not like 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 there are different camps like oh it's not real or like because uh, AI is outlawed in the Imperium. There's also the theory that things just have AI and they're just calling it the machine spirit to get away with it. And then of course there's also there is actually a machine spirit that works. Some people that think it's the Necrons, which is a whole nother thing. All right. Oh, also orcs. Uh, they do have a currency. They have a, a universal medium of exchange. It is their teeth. That's not their teeth. It's just teeth. It's just teeth. They sound lovely. Yeah, orcs are fun. I, th I, I think the Warhammer interpretation is my favorite interpretation of orcs. Because uh, they're just fun. Uh, they also have beliefs in other colors, too. Uh, blue means you're lucky, which means you'll be oh. safer, and you'll get more stuff. Uh, I just need some orcs to believe in me, since blue is my favorite color. We believe in you, Kai. We just gotta turn into orcs. <laughs> okay, do that, so I can be more lucky. Okay. Uh, yellow is wealth, white is a death, black is toughness, hence the black orcs from Warhammer. And uh, my favorite, well, two of my favorites, uh, green's the best. Because they're green, of course. And then, Kai, what do you think would happen if an orc painted camouflage on himself? Oh, he would disappear. Nothing. They literally become invisible. Untrue. Uh, That's purple. <laughs> Jacob. Well I, I, well, well, I think if an orc painted himself <laughs> something and said, this makes me invisible and a bunch of people believed he was, it made him invisible, it would actually camouflage Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what purple does. No, Jacob. No, I'm it's, serious. I'm not kidding. It's a meme. It's a meme. That's a joke, isn't it? No. I thought I thought the purple thing was a joke because there were no purple orcs. And so they said, "Oh, purple has to be the best invisible color because there's no orcs with the color purple." No, it's canon. Purple makes you sneaky. Really? I thought camo made yeah. you sneaky. No, I don't think they know what camo is. Are you sure? Okay, think of it like this. You know, you know, night goblins in fantasy. Yeah. You know how they wear purple? They have stock. But we're talking about forty k. It's 
It's the same rule in both systems. But it's camouflage orcs, though, isn't it? No, I'm pretty it's sure purple. It's always been camouflage. It's purple. It's Matt. Are you debating me? Camouflage is green, and green is the best. So how would it work? Camo's not green, dummy. It's multiple colors. You're a you're multiple colors. I could be wrong. I don't. I've never heard anything. I'm pretty on sure. Camo. I, I remember having this conversation oh, with Gary. No. And he said purple orcs were a meme. It was made up by a guy from Games Workshop because they noted there were no purple orcs, and so they just said, "Oh, purple's the sneakiest." I, Garrett isn't exactly a the, the best primary source of Warhammer. Also, uh, check general. Uh, some fans in Bangkok made a uh, half-scale Imperial Knight. That's why. How? It's cool. That's pretty sweet. Half scale, though? Yeah, that is half scale. Oh my gosh. Big. Damn. Which, which, which means that it would probably be probable to probably build a bigger one. If you had enough time and money, you could you could probably build a full scale one. Do it. You know you how like Japan it, build. You know how Japan builds like life size like Gundams and stuff like that. Like they just built one. Yeah. We need to do that for Imperial Titans. Yeah, the purple orcs thing is a fan thing. If you look it up, people people will say it's a fan thing. Well, I've never, I've never seen anything with camo, so I don't know about that. I haven't ever seen a purple orc for 40k stuff either. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I think just j just just it is a is a general rule that I think we can all agree on. If the, if 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 an orc camouflages himself, he will literally turn invisible if everyone believes that he will become invisible yeah. or at least and more if, camouflage. And if you're wearing camouflage, he won't see you. And I think that's the funniest thing. Oh, that's great. That is true. And uh, somebody of all, somebody has also said it's why the Ultramarines are so lucky all the time. Although that wouldn't quite make sense because of the fact that Ultramarines don't always do stuff with orcs, but I subscribe to it somewhat. Anyhow, I think we should probably stop. It's gone on for long cool. enough. Yes. Goodbye. Bye. We love you. We love you. We love you. <laughs> when did that start?